restaurateurs, welcome to the Restaurant Engine podcast, episode number four. It's the show where restaurant owners come to share their story of how they built their business. Whether your restaurant is well established or you're opening a restaurant for the first time, you're in the right place. Today, my guests are Matt and Jessica Ray, owners of Living Goods Restaurant and Brewery in Peru, New York. Tune into the whole interview and you'll hear about Matt and Jessica's extensive experience in the restaurant business and learning the brewery trade how they have carefully planned their brewery operation, finding a new location to house it, and crossing hurdles with various government organizations along the way. The methods that Jessica uses to leverage Facebook and social media to drive business to their restaurant nightly. Finally, how a move to a new location last year, after nine years in the same location, has changed their business and marketing strategies. By the way, this show is brought to you by Restaurant Engine. We help restaurants get a professionally designed website the easy way. Every restaurant we work with gets a fully mobile-friendly website, optimized for search engines, and access to the best customer support in the industry. Upgrade to our plan with online ordering, and you can see up to a 25% increase in sales. Come check us out at restaurantengine.com. Now, let's talk with Matt and Jessica. Welcome to our podcast, Matt and Jessica. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being here today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and about your business, Living Goods Restaurant and Brewery? Uh, well, we originally started off just as Living Goods Restaurant uh, in downtown Plattsburgh. And uh, the hope and plan was to be a brew pub from the beginning, but for a number of different reasons that didn't happen. Mainly the location that we did find wasn't going to be structurally very friendly to, to a brewery. We would have had to put it in a basement. Mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of water, trying to get water up out of a basement is not certainly not the easiest thing to do. So we were a, I would say, upscale, casual-style bistro for nine years. And then the building that we're in now in Peru, New York, which is 12 miles south of Plattsburgh, uh, came available, and uh, as well as some business partnership opportunities to allow us to access the capital we needed to grow the business and add the brewery. And so that came to fruition in July of last year, mm-hmm. and then we closed our old location October 26th and reopened at our new location the Friday after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind ever since. Wow, wow. So it happened quickly, and um, well, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of work involved. Um, you dealt with, you know, getting the partnerships together, and I'm sure some governmental things you had to um, plan out. So were there any special uh, roadblocks that you had to deal with in, in making that transition? Yeah. Uh, every, everything. Every day. Every there's, day. There's still, still roadblocks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's two different, I mean, every state is different. New York State is not fun to deal with. Um, the State Liquor Authority is very... Uh, disorganized and they're not the most efficient um working with the federal government the the ttb that was a breeze i was really nervous about that considering you're dealing with the federal government and getting permission from them to make alcohol mm-hmm. uh but that was a wonderfully pleasant process uh, you actually get assigned you know an individual to walk you through the process once you initially submit mm-hmm. your application so that went really, really well, and we got our our brewer's notice in 60 days, which is kind of unheard of. Wow. Um, the average is like 
pushing well over 100 days. So we were pretty excited about that. And uh, so since then, we've been working through the process of getting – we have a full full on-premise liquor license with New York State right now. We can serve everybody else's beer, but we can't serve our own. Ah, okay. There's a special license that you need called a restaurant, a restaurant brewer's license, which is essentially what they call the brew pub license. And is basically like applying for a license all over again. Even though they have 99.9% of our information on file, they still needed it all over again. Uh, um, okay. And that's my fortunate job. Mm-hmm. And then you also need to get another license just to sell growlers and kegs to private individuals. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be another whole licensing process when we want to cross the road of distribution and wholesaling and, you know, getting our, our stuff on draft in other restaurants throughout yeah. the area. So yeah. we're not there yet. There's still a couple more hurdles to, right. to, uh, to overcome. Right. And you have but the... We're, we're, we're almost there. Good, good. And, and Matt, everything is kind of built out already and ready to go in, in that sense? Just kind of waiting for the legal stuff? Uh, well, I'm making beer. I've, I've made five different beers so far. I'm getting ready to make a sixth tomorrow. Um, there's a lot of uh, variables and parameters that are still kind of in a state of flux with the process of making beer. Yeah. Um, some little snags and whatnot, of course. The, I mean, the installation is complete. Um, but it, believe it or not, it doesn't take much to come along to bring a brewery to a screeching halt. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One. Yeah. One. One uh, damaged hose. You know, right. or I've seen a little, you know, a little, you know, three dollar gasket bring a brewery to a screeching halt. You know, right. if you can't if you can't clean your kegs to put a beer in, and then you can't move, you can't empty a tank, then you can't fill a tank. So no one's doing anything until that one little tiny detail gets addressed. Right, right. So there's there's been some things like that here. So, um, but. You know, it's just yeah. you know, kind of keep a big, big picture in mind, really, and right. know right. that you know they're they're all going to get ironed out and and uh, and figured out and resolved yeah. eventually. So yeah, it's very technical. But yeah, like I said, I have been I have been brewing beer. I've got I've got five in in the in the books already, and and one more on deck here. So and do you already have the the names for them, or how does that work? Ah, uh, some of them, some of them we've grappled with. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big, uh, I don't get hung up on the names too much, really. Yeah. Maybe I should, and then it would be easier, but, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're open to just calling them what they are as far as their style, you know, mm-hmm. Living Goods IPA or, you right. know, right. Living Goods Hefeweizen. So uh-huh. some of them, I guess, will come up, you know, will come into their own name eventually, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have, we do want to give some kind of local ownership to the product. Um, so the, the Pilsner that I'm making, which is still a very tasty, flavorful, you know, craft brewed product, but it's, you know, a lighter beer that can maybe have some more mass appeal to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to call that Peruvian Pils. Nice. Um, and then I also made a pale ale that's kind of a little more easy drinking, so we're pretty much thinking about calling that one North Country Pale Ale. All right. Um I know this area is called the North. I don't know where you're, where you're located. Southern California. Oh, okay, so they, they call this area of the country the North Country. Okay. Um, nice. I don't know what the borders of that are exactly, but 
I think pretty much Albany and up. Any, yeah, anything north of like maybe Glens Falls. Right, right. And I think they kind of call some of Vermont that too, but it's more for That's the Northeast Kingdom. Is what it's more for upstate about. New York, really. Right, they right. They call it the North Country. So yeah, um, and then you know I I did read that you both have a long history in um, in the brewery business that you both worked at a place called Left Hand Brewing in Colorado in the past? Yep. Yep. Okay. And, uh, Matt, you also did some, some work at Lake Placid Pub in Lake Placid. So so you've been yep. working on this uh, concept and, and this dream for, for a while, probably yep. as long as as long as long the, the cooking. Is it for you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Matt Monday? accidentally ended up in the kitchen. That okay. wasn't the original plan. The person that we brought in to, uh, it was, you know, the original vision was, you know, me in the office and, the, and dining room, you know, managing the business aspects of things in the, in the front of the house, Matt in the brewery and someone else in the kitchen. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So it was, Matt was in the kitchen for eight years and, and with the brewery not happening, that just sort of happened anyway. So yeah. Right. That right. was, that was purely by accident, but he's certainly I call I call Matt an artist of the palate. Yeah. Basically, anything that has to do with food or drink, he's he's pretty good at it. Well, you do have like rave reviews of your of your cuisine, so that definitely seems to be working. Um, what would you say that your restaurant, aside from the brewery, is best known for as far as your menu or your atmosphere? What are the most popular um, attractions? Uh. Right now, our our burgers are mm-hmm. very popular. Um, I, I think one thing we've kind of always hung our hat on, or you know, even has been our our uh, allure, if you will, is we we have something. We've always we've always said we have something for everyone. Yeah. We have we have a pretty diverse menu from you know pizzas to to burgers and you know some entree size salads and wraps and other kind of specialty sandwiches to, you know, steaks and some pasta dishes. And then, you know, we do nightly specials as well that are kind of leaning more towards, you know, more, more, uh, kind of culinary experience for people. Um, which, you know, around here people have some simpler tastes, you know, but they also don't want, uh, fast food, you know, you know, boiled up, microwave stuff either you know right. so uh so yeah the burgers are really popular for us um we do jess and i have spent several years off and on as vegetarians so we think it's important to have those types of choices for people yeah. as well other than just you know pasta primavera yeah or a grilled <laughs> cheese you know we have some other kind of neat things that vegetarians really appreciate and like to see um yeah, I noticed so, that. I noticed that with the tempeh, Reuben, and um, I noticed right. all your gluten-free choices, and, and that's exactly right. what I thought. You know, you have um, some Mexican dishes and um, calamari. Yeah, the just Mexican stuff for does really well, actually, and we keep that really fresh. We, you know, we from frying our own chips to our own pico to, nice. you know, grating our own cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all the meats that go on it are, are fresh grilled or... You know, the, we put our pulled pork on there, so we we have some decent. You know, the barbecue stuff is popular. Like I said, we have some, we have quite a variety of things. So, yeah. um, the cal- our calamari is one of our most popular things. And when we 
we haven't done a menu review in a while, but the last one we did, our fish and chips was was probably one of the top selling items on the menu. Wow! And that too, we now no, we don't use the fish is frozen in there, but if you're going to deep fry a fish, you know it's it's almost better to get the frozen fish. Mm-hmm. Though, but um, texture. Our, yeah. We have our own beer batter that we make, so it's it's hand battered and fried to order. Wow. You know, it's not just opening up the bag and dumping it in the deep fryer. So, and our we make our own tartar sauce, our own coleslaw, and, you know, our own hand-cut fries and everything. So it is a really fresh mm-hmm. um, specialty product as well. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, that's really that's really done very well for us, along with, like you point out, the Mexican stuff. At the menu. heart of our menu, our philosophy is that, you know, I, I could literally, it'd be easier to tell you what is pre-made in our kitchen than to tell you what isn't. Right. I mean, we're we're marinating our own chicken, making our own salad dressings, making our own hummus, everything's 99% of our kitchen, 99% of our menu is made from scratch. Yeah, wow. And so you must have a lot of staff then. Yeah, our kitchen staff is, our our labor costs are definitely on the higher side, but uh, we really, we we just don't want to compromise that. That's not something we're willing to to say. We don't have a microwave in our kitchen. Yeah. Um, Everything is, is, everything's cooked to order. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when you originally um, started Living Goods in the Plattsburgh location, what, what year was that? 2005. Okay. Okay. And then you just made the move this last year to yeah. Peru. So um, so basically coming up on um, 10 years. And, yep. um, you know, what, what were some of the very first steps that you took when you when you decided that you wanted to open? Some of the what? When you first decided you wanted to open the restaurant... Um, what were some of the very first steps that you took that, that you can recall as being oh, vital? Uh, well, the plan. business plan, of course, and then finding the right location that took a while, quite a while. Because um, we were, you know, banks don't, and anybody listening to this is going to know, banks don't give money to anybody that needs it, uh-huh. especially <laughs> not restaurants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we had to piece it all together with, you know, we tapped into the equity in our own home. We maxed out our credit cards, friends wow. and family contributed. Um, we did find one investor who was a guy I waited on when I was waiting tables and uh-huh. saw, and, you know, I showed him our business plan and prominent business owner in the area and, and threw wow. 25K our way. So, wow. you know, we, we pieced it all together. And a big reason why we chose the location where we did is a it was a decent location, but b the kitchen was already there. Right, the infrastructure. The infrastructure mm-hmm. was already there, and a lot of the spaces that we were looking at were raw. You know, just nothing. You know, mm-hmm. we would have had to have not only gutted it, but you know, put all the infrastructure in before we even started turning it into a restaurant. Right. Whereas this already was halfway there. The dining room was sheetrock and subfloor. The kitchen was there, and they were running a pizza shop off of the back of it. Wow. So that eventually just grew into part of our kitchen, um, and then we threw all of our money into renovating the dining room. Right. And the landlord held a note for a little while, and, and we eventually got a loan to, to purchase all the equipment and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, so we, we spent the – well, we, we took over that lease in May, and mm. then we opened for – we we opened, like Jess said, there was a little – the, the place is in like a little downtown, almost a mini mall. It was an inside. old Woolworths that the guy 
gutted and, and split up. Split up. There was, there was a nightclub on one side of the hallway. Um, he eventually opened another bar in the back, and then there was a tattoo shop. A nice upscale tattoo body art shop there. Uh-huh. Wow. And so there, he had this little pizza shop in the middle that so we could get that open. We had we started that in July. Fourth of July weekend. And so we hmm. we kind of got our name out there and ramped up our business with like as little. Uh, payroll overhead as possible. Yeah. Because we have, we were we spent three or four months just um, finishing the, the dining room. The dining room, you know, like just right. it was it was sheetrock and subfloor. So wow. we you know those, I mean, gosh, there's so many details that we had to what you know what color tile, what color carpet, what color paint, how how many different colors of paint, what kind of furniture, what kind of plates, yeah, what kind of glasses, what kind of light fixtures, <laughs> how many light fixtures, ceiling fans, yeah. You know, window treatments, bathroom fixtures, yeah, so many everything. different details. The people wow. at Lowe's knew us by name yeah. by the end of the project, <laughs> right. it that way. And you basically did of, that all over again in the new location, right? We did, yeah. yeah. But this time we had a lot more money and a contractor. Did, like, I painted and we yeah, did a lot we, of the painting yeah. ourselves. I polyurethane the bar. I upholstered the booth seats. Yeah. Wow. You know, we didn't have kids. You know, we started yeah, we, in, we didn't have kids then. We had, you know, we started in 2005, and then my daughter was born in June of 2006. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was, we had a lot more, a lot more time to yeah. invest when we started the first time around, whereas the second time around, we had, you know, seven-year-old and a three-year-old right so. right wow well the the pictures are beautiful that i see on your site um just all the atmosphere it's 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 amazing um Thanks. so um and then when you when you first started out um how did you market your restaurant to get your very first customers or did you kind of already have a well we had you know being that we were downtown plattsburgh for almost nine years we we already had a really respectable Volume. Or is that what you meant when, how do we market? How do we market downtown or how do we market the new place? Um, you know, I guess I meant in the very beginning, but either, okay. either one that, that makes more. In um, the very beginning, um, foolishly, newspaper, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I don't recommend. Uh, I guess it depends on the area you're in, but the papers around here are a little hit or miss. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we really, I mean, we wanted, we did a soft opening. I don't think we ever did a grand opening down there. No. We just opened and let word of mouth kind of. Mostly yeah. word of mouth. Mostly yeah. word of mouth. Yeah. that's. It's a small enough area. I mean, yeah. the, the city is 20,000 people, so it's not very big. Right. Um, and uh, we were in a fairly visible location. And, I mean, I remember it was slow starting, and then it was a random Friday or Saturday where we just got our butts. Wow, it was awesome. like the word of mouth finally hit, and everybody decided at seven o'clock on a Friday, <laughs> let's go try the new place. And it was mayhem. I was, yeah. I remember just standing in the dining room with my my hands on my head, just feeling so unbelievably hopeless because, <laughs> you know, our our head chef at the time he was just stuffing kitchen chits in his pocket because the line was there was no other place to put tickets. Wow. It was just crazy. Wow. It was crazy. It's um, but it was, you know, it was kind of the the butt kicking that we needed and then we, you know, we figured out, okay, we need to prep this more and do this differently and that sort of thing. And it's yeah. just been kind of growing steadily ever since. Yeah. And then you moved and you basically, it's not that far away. So you retained a lot of those customers and, and probably gained a lot of new ones as well in we, Peru. We not did. as many uh, as you would think. It, um, it has been a lot more like 
starting, starting over, over again. Yeah. Really? I mean, the best we have residual is our experience. You know, mm-hmm. we've had we've had to revisit a lot of different advertising uh, strategies, uh-huh. and we've had to deal with a lot of new people that you know get get grouchy because you know the the food is good. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, it's not some cheap slop on a plate for right. you, you know. For ten dollars. Yeah, and, you know, we, do, we don't serve uh, mass-produced beer and, right. you know, frozen food, so yeah. it costs a little bit more, and, you know. Yeah. So you, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a different, different crowd in, in where you yeah. are now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we were, I guess we were a little uh, naive to think that a lot of our regulars would follow us. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've discovered is, and I say this as kindly as possible, a lot of the people in the Plattsburgh area are a little spoiled. Yeah. Um, because it's a small city, everything is a short drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really doesn't take that long to get anywhere around Plattsburgh. So. Right. You know, to you, you know, someone especially, traffic is a real issue in Southern California. Right. You know, people are like, I don't want to drive, quote, all the way to Peru. Right. It's 12 <laughs> miles on an interstate with no traffic. No traffic. Right. It's right. a 10-minute no. drive. Yeah. So it's like, all right, if that's the mindset we're dealing with, then yeah. I shifted my marketing efforts towards people in the outskirts surrounding us. Mm-hmm. You know, I there's a lot of smaller villages Mountain communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mountain They're used to driving. You have to drive everywhere to do anything. Yeah. You right. have to get in your car to do absolutely anything. Go to the supermarket, get gas, go to the post office, everything. You, it's, it's, everything's a 10 to 20-minute drive. Yeah. So by marketing to them, we've really seen a boost in, yeah. you know, in sales and people walking through the door. And yeah. There were a lot of people that lived in those areas that they had no idea who we were. They never, just like we're hearing here, oh, I don't want to drive all the way to Peru. When we were downtown Plattsburgh, I would hear from people, I'd be getting my hair cut or I'd be, you know, standing in line at a checkout and, and strike up conversations with people. And, oh, I'd never go downtown because downtown Plattsburgh had yeah. a bit of a stigma as well. Uh. So it's, this is a, it's a quirky area. Yeah. It's a quirky area. It's a tough nut to crack from a marketing standpoint. But I've tested some various different things. I mean, of course, there's the almighty Facebook. But even that, I've had to do boosted posts and that sort of thing to reach out to other areas because a large portion of our, our fan base were Plattsburgh people who just refused to drive here anymore. Right. So in order to grow it to the Peru and southern area, I you know did some targeted paid advertising on Facebook to gain some more fans that way. Yeah, yeah, that does so. really work. And it sounds like you're just kind of keeping your ears open and reaching out to the people that do have to drive anyways to get anywhere is, is really smart. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is just going way back in, in time here, but Matt, your family has been in the food service business since the late 1800s? Um, I don't know if they called it the food service business back then and there's definitely been a substantial hiatus between my great-grandfather and grandmother and you know everybody in between yeah um but i guess you know they did have quite the entrepreneurial spirit right as as, you know just comes from a family of uh self-employed parents Ah, as well so um and they had a like a butcher shop or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. And, you know, I mean, this was, you know, 150 years ago or something. So you can, you know, things were a lot different. In in rural southeastern Pennsylvania, so. Yeah. um, Farm communities and whatnot, so. Right. um, But, yeah, my great-grandfather was a bit of a entrepreneur and um, humanitarian leader in the community yeah. kind of yeah wow he did every, he, he owned the school buses he owned the company that paved the roads and he had the butcher shop and um, you know that's where my great grandmother was always cooking for all of the people they employed uh-huh. you know yeah. and uh, so you both have that entrepreneurial spirit and basically in your blood just yeah. really what it takes, you know, to, yeah. it's, it's definitely right. a personality. I mean, we kind of we entrepreneurial or we call ourselves pathologically unemployable. Like <laughs> you just, once you start working for yourself, the idea of working for someone else is just really hard to wrap your head around. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that it's for sure. Something you could go back to. Yeah. And, um, you also, um, have relationships with a lot of the local agriculture and farms, um, you source a lot of your, your meats and cheeses and stuff from, from different farms in the area. Um, do you find that's becoming increasingly important to your customers, or is it just more important to you? I think it's more important to us than the customer. I mean, some, some, some cheese, customers. cheeses we haven't really gotten into so much yet. Uh, it's, it's mostly our, our beef for the burgers that are real popular. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and vegetables. Right, okay. And it's just so, a, it's a short season up here, so to do yeah. the whole people throw the farm to table phrase around mm-hmm. around here uh, far too much. Um, you won't even see that term in any of our marketing, right? Um, because it's it's very hit or miss. You know, it's it, it's it's a very short, very hard growing season yeah. up here. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we we do what we can. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the farmers have to make, they got to make a living too. So to, to work with them and keep things cost effective for us and for our customers is a, is a challenge. Right, right. Um, because the people in this area, you know, they like to say they like local, you know, and they, and they certainly want to support it. But the reality of paying for it is something else entirely. Yeah. So, um, the, like we said, the, you know, working with Kilcoin Farms and carrying his beef has been definitely the most successful local relationship that we've built. Um, and we're slowly but surely some of the farmers that were, you know, they're getting themselves established enough where their pricing can be competitive enough and, and cost-effective for us to, to use their product. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still a fairly new concept in the area. Yeah, and, you know, same thing happens at the grocery store. You know, you, you, you want to do the right thing, but, you know, the pricing can, can affect people's perspective. Sure. Um, yeah. Now it's terms of managing your menu. Do you, do you make a lot of seasonal changes because of, um, because of what you were just talking about? Um, do you change it more often than that? No, I mean, if anything, we throw in the specials, you know, where we try and use some of them. Like right now we're running a caprese salad using the local Uh tomatoes and the basil basil, stuff. So, right. Um, but like cheeses, yeah, I mean, we would love to feature more cheeses and, and gravitate more towards that and have like a cheese board or a Welsh rarebit or that sort of thing on the menu, but we just haven't quite. The, the issue is there's a lot of people around here who, there are people out here who are making cheese. There's, there's several farms that are doing it, but they can't meet our volume. 
Like I tried to work with a local farm who Mm. does real beautiful goat's milk feta, but either A, she can't meet our volume, or B, it's just more cost-effective. She's in so many retail areas that she's going to make more money retailing it than she is selling it to us. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with the produce. You know, it's just they just can't meet. It's like, okay, we need, you know, X number of pounds of greens. Right. Not you know, a bag, you know what I mean? So, um, that's, you know, Sam, I mean, we're still trying to find a a pig farmer that we can work with and Mm -hmm. and start getting, but they want to sell us the whole hog. Right. We just want the butts, you know, shoulders and that sort of thing. So that isn't very, you know, so that's, those are the, the obstacles that we're still trying to navigate our way through. Yeah. So that more and more of our menu can be can be uh, local, and then as far as the seasonal goes, I mean our menu is so huge, and because of the nature of the way we cook our food, um, training in the kitchen is a challenge. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. can't we can't do a complete seasonal overhaul of our menu mm-hmm. and train all that staff on how to cook all that stuff to order. Again, any restaurant owner that's listening to this, if you're again because we're in a more rural area. The employee pool is a lot shallower than mm-hmm. it is in a major metropolitan area. So yeah. finding chefs are like a needle in the haystack. Right. We've resolved ourselves to bringing in people with little to no experience but have a good attitude and yeah. a good work ethic and teach them how to cook in a restaurant setting. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, I'm sure they really appreciate the opportunity to, to, to grow that way. Some do. Some do. Yeah. Not all. Yeah. But some do. Yeah. Yeah. And now, do you um, do a lot of catering as well, or is that sort of a smaller aspect? No. I mean, we do, uh, like, we'll do drop-and-go catering. Um, I know Matt did a big uh, pulled pork and coleslaw sort of drop-in delivery thing for a family reunion. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, catering is another whole business in of itself. Yeah. You know, there's people who that's that's purely how they make their living is just doing catering. We do, we have a large, what's called our great room, where we can accommodate, you know, about 150 people in it. Um, like, we're doing the Peru Hall of Fame dinner uh, next, uh, the last Saturday, or, yeah, is it the last Saturday in September? We do baby showers, bridal showers, uh-huh. rehearsal dinners, you know, those thir- groups of 30 to 40. Because yeah. there are some facilities in the area that can do the weddings, that can do the, the bigger functions. Uh-huh. But there's nobody that can, I mean, we've had people call us, hey, we've got, you know, we had a soccer team that was on their way from New Jersey up to Montreal, and there was like 45 of them. Right, right. You know, we'd like to come in in an hour. Can you seat us? Yeah. There's not too many restaurants in the area that can answer yes to that question. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And we're one of them. That's great. So it's more about handling the big groups Mm -hmm. um, than it is about catering, per se. Right. Yeah, we want to build Living Goods as a destination, too, especially once, you know, most of the beer on tap is, house beer because that maximizes your profitability to get Mm -hmm. you know sell every pint right out of the taps and if we get people here for whatever reason rather than packing up the show and driving it somewhere else you know where we can't even sell the beer right so we really want to we really want to make the allure here rather than and keep the focus here than you know off premise so yeah yeah and that's a whole separate room that's that you use for that? Yep. Yep. Yeah, the people who own this property before us, um, it was a restaurant then as well, they did a lot of weddings. Okay. That was their big focus, which Matt and I both want no yeah. parts of the, the wedding rehearsal, yeah. the wedding um, reception business. We'll do the rehearsal dinners. Right. <laughs> um, but I want no parts, and even those can be a little, 
a little uh, stressful. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, this big, beautiful room that they had, you know, where they would cram 250 people into this space. Um, and they burnt themselves out pretty quick because the, yeah. the wedding business is, is, I was a wedding photographer way back when, and it's, oh, yeah. it's high stress. Yeah. You know, it's a high stress time. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we've kind of converted it into, it's, you know, we've got a pool table back there, some big leather couches with a TV and mm-hmm. there's a smaller service bar and that sort of thing. And I've got on my desk right now, I've got one, two three, four, five different events that are going to be happening over the course of the next two months. Like the coach for the SUNY Plattsburgh cross-country team wants to bring in the entire team of 40 people for dinner. Um, I've got a woman who wants to do the local ambulance service banquet here for 80 people. I've got a woman with a baby shower for 30 people. I've got a 50th wedding anniversary for 30 people. So that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And now we is this those. the same place in the restaurant that you have live music, or is that a whole separate area? Nope, that's right in one of our side dining rooms in front of the brewery. Okay, so yeah. you have a, a stage set up for them, and, and that's something that you do on a weekly basis, right? No, we don't have a stage. Okay. Um, they just set up, some of them will bring like a, you know, they'll bring a, a carpet or whatever, but it's it's smaller, two, max, three-piece things. It's, okay. it's very okay. much sort of acoustic background, ambiance. Yeah. You know, just, you know, support local music sort yeah. of situation. I mean, we do want to grow into more of a music venue sort of dealio. Um, we've, our parking lot is huge, and we would definitely have space outside to build a stage, and we want to do our own sort of Oktoberfest or beer festival here someday, mm-hmm. and it's, you Good know, idea. definitely in the, it's in the plan. Yeah, but in, in terms plan. of having things inside and a eating environment, acoustic is preferable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. So, and then you also have your Dine to Donate program, which is um, 10% goes to charity, each a yep. different one every month? Yep. And a how, charity or a not-for-profit. Like this uh-huh. month, it's the uh, the Lumberjills roller, local roller derby team, uh-huh. um, which uh, a few friends of ours are actually on the team, and a lot of those, the ladies and the, even the, the volunteer refs and that sort of thing, they're regular customers of ours, so... You know, we just wanted to figure out a way. It was actually an idea I got from the Peru PTO. They partner with the local McDonald's here where the um, the teachers and stuff go in and they quote-unquote work at the McDonald's and people go in and, and from like four to six, McDonald's will donate, you know, a certain amount of the proceeds to the Peru PTO. And it kind of got my wheels turning. And we yeah. always want to try and give back to the community. And so kind of modeled it after that. Yeah, and um, And plus... You know, I'm not going to lie, I was hoping it would be a win-win, and, you know, we would expose ourselves, expose the business to people who wouldn't have heard of us otherwise. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's all part of it. With that not-for-profit. Yeah, yeah, Um, and in terms of um, social media and marketing, I mean, you have a huge Facebook following, um, almost 3,000 likes at this point. Um, How do you manage to stay active on social media while also running the the business? Um, Habit. You know, that's the thing I would, you know, you just got to make it a habit. You have to just, you know, that, 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 thank God for my iPhone because that's really how I do a lot of it is, you know, oh. if I'm running around with the kids and, you know, doing 20 million different things, I'm like, oh, man, I got to do a post on Facebook, you know, and I can yeah. snap a quick photo of whatever the special is or of whatever beers we're going to promote that day or, you know, I had some uh, work with a graphic artist and, and uh, made some memes up about our various different, specials that we have, um, like our burger and beer night on Tuesdays, half off all drafts on Wednesdays, 
so on and so forth. So I just, you know, I can, I've got the pages app on my phone and right. just sort of do it from there and I'll throw like a $10 boost on it and, yeah. and get it out there. And it works because on the days that I miss, on the days where I'm like, it's 4.30 and I haven't posted anything, yeah. we're not as busy. Interesting. It, it definitely yeah. works. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's a little aggravating that you have to pay in order to get, you know, with a, with an audience of 3,000, mm-hmm. you think we get a lot more coverage. But if I don't boost a post, yeah. it gets seen by maybe 100 people. It's right. ridiculous. Right, But yeah. for now, it's, I mean, we're getting ready to, we did a, a big radio promotion, um, one of the local radio media companies they have four different stations they did this 50 50 thing where uh, people can buy they could buy a 50 dollars gift certificate for 25 dollars, and the, the radio station handles all of it all we have to do is honor the gift certificates we didn't nice. have to outlay any cash whatsoever and we got a week-long promotion out of it wow. leading up to the sale of it and the gift certificate sold out in a day and it's been great it's you know the, they're coming in we're getting new customers out of it and plus I really think overall just all the radio coverage we got. So I think there is I was I wasn't real sure about radio, but doing that made me realize that radio still works, at least yeah. in this area it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we're getting ready to actually sometime today we're gonna record a spot uh and, and do a small promotion with one of the stations and kinda grow into it because it's not cheap. Um yeah. and uh and then we've also flyer marketing has worked really well. Uh we did a targeted flyer mailing to uh, the areas surrounding us, and we put coupons on there to track it. And those we paid with the revenue that the coupons brought in, we paid for the flyers in like a week. Wow. So, um, so yeah, you just, you got to, you got to feel out the your market and yeah. get creative and, and whatever. And, you know, uh, because of where we are and we don't have quite the visibility we did downtown, relying purely on word of mouth was not going to work. Right. We had to get more aggressive. Yeah, I would think the radio uh, demographic would be perfect for for your restaurant, too. Um, yeah. So that's really smart. Um, and, um, you know, as far as um, your website, you feature, you have a blog on there, you know, you, you feature your live music. Um, what do you think is, is some of the ways that your website helps um, keep in touch with your customers as well? Um, I mean, I really want to, I do want to make our website more of a destination, just like we want to make the business a destination. Yeah. Um, it isn't developed as much as I would like it to be. I'm working on, uh, I've actually waiting to, I'm on the, the list to, um, to, uh, have a email newsletter. Oh great! You know, okay. mail, a Mailchimp setup, um, uh-huh. and uh, do more email marketing so that I don't have to re- rely on Facebook so much. Uh-huh. Um, there are still quite a few people in this area that aren't on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and plus, right. I just I don't want to give Mark Zuckerberg any more of my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather give it to you guys and you know work with you guys with the mailing, you know, a, a monthly mailing and that sort of thing. And yeah. and. Uh, spend less time, I guess you could almost say blogging on Facebook, and more time blogging on our actual blog. Yeah, and, it's original and content. Get, and, and get more of a dialogue going there with yeah. with customers. And yeah. uh, start shooting videos of the live music and posting those and creating a YouTube channel. And you yeah. know, there's, I have tons of things I would like to do. It's just there's only so many hours in the day. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, the, the website, I'm looking forward to you know continuing to work with Restaurant Engine and really beefing that up and 
getting milk in every little bit I can out of it. Great. So. Great. Well, we look forward to that too. Um, and, um, uh, I'm not sure if we still have Matt online or if he had to go back to the brewery. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, great. Here. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of ask both of you can answer in whatever order, but tell me just, you know, what's the best part about being a business owner and owning your own restaurant and brewery? What, what, what really, you know, makes you the most happy to be living this life? You want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hard since we've been doing it for so long, probably forget about the big reason, but like Jeff said, you know, we're, pathologically unemployed so unemployable. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, I mean it's it's just really rewarding to you know even when we were working for someone else we were putting everything we had into it and you know it, it didn't always pay dividends in the terms of uh, and I don't mean money with that but more about like recognition and yeah. I mean, I, I've worked for people that they just took all the credit for my, not only my hard work, but my ideas and mm-hmm. my, my passion and, and my product skills and product that they took, they took the credit for. Right. Um, so it's, it's really rewarding with that. And we have a lot of freedoms, you know, like we, most, most people out there probably can't say they got up today and you know got to watch transformers with their kids you know or got to you know spend time playing outside with their kids till sometimes 10 o'clock in the morning you know um so there's there's that that freedom of making your own hours yeah we get we get to pick our our uh 65 hours a week, you know. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) great. Those are all great reasons. And, you know, you you made a great point is that, you know, when you are a hard worker, you're going to be working the same um, for whether it's for someone else or for yourself, and the the results are just different. So that's that's, that's a pretty good point there. Um, And Transformers is awesome, too. So, yeah. It's a new discovery of our four year old son. So it's going to be a mainstay in our house for a little while here. Nice. It was Spider Man, now it's Transformers. Yeah. You got to switch it up. Um, and for you, Jessica, kind of the same thing or? Yeah. I mean, I, like Matt said earlier, I grew up in a self-employed household. I always knew that I would ultimately be self-employed and every place I ever worked, I ended up managing in some sort of capacity. Um, you know, I was, like I said, I was a a photographer, you know, a working photographer before the days of digital and anybody and everybody could call themselves a photographer. Uh Um, and, uh, you know, I guess that's why I always liked waiting tables because you still kind of, yeah, you had your shifts or whatever, but there was still an element of being working for yourself. You had a little bit more control over mm-hmm. how much you made. You right. know what I mean? If you were good at it, you can make really good money. Yeah. Um, and the hours were short. You had your days and your, your, you could see a direct result of your hard work was immediately reciprocated, you know, financially. Um, and you know, working with people and people, you know, requesting you and and that sort of thing. So you got that sort of recognition out of it. I think that's why both of us really like the restaurant industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always had a head for business and I just make sense that I'm running my own instead of someone else's. And, you know, Matt, Matt has the craft and the, you know, has these skills and, and talents and, 
you know, I can combine those well with my own when it comes to business and marketing. So it just sort of yeah makes a good fit. And then, you know, again, like Matt said, I can I can take my work home with me. I can bring my laptop home and the stack of invoices and the payroll reports and all that kind of stuff and sit at the dining room table while my kids play Play-Doh and work. Right. <laughs> you know, there's that sort of flexibility where, you know, yeah, I have to pay a babysitter a few nights a week to put my kids to bed, which the mommy guilt thing kind of kicks in there. But uh-huh. at the same time, they see how hard we're working. And, and the day is going to come where they're going to be able to come to work with us. You yeah. know, my daughter can't wait to help hostess and bus tables and Aww. I'm sure the day is going to come where my son can't wait to work in the brewery with his dad. And, <laughs> you know, they're going to be here with us and, and they can be a part of it. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of people who work the, the classic nine to five or whatever job it is that they do, it's, you know, it's not easy to bring your kids along. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the great room is, is a glorified playroom during the day when we're closed. The kids love it. That's where they hang out when oh, they're near. Neat. So. Neat. Wow. Well, they're definitely you're definitely setting a great example for them that they're that they're seeing every day. So that's that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Well, and then just as a final question for you, just so we can um, have our listeners know where to find you, um, just let me know where they can reach out to you if they have questions for you. Um, your website, your phone, your Facebook page. Um, how can they get in touch with you? Um, I, the best way is just through our contact page on our website. That goes right to my email account and. You know, I do my best to, to get back to people right away. You know, I have people contact me every now and again about various different festivals or a couple of people who are starting breweries themselves or that sort of thing. I mean, we definitely want to foster the, the us, us restaurant and brewery owners got to stick together because it's not an easy business and we need to help each other as much as possible. So. Great, great. So, yeah, don't don't call the restaurant because that's next to impossible to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's livinggoodsrestaurant so. dot com. And, yeah, uh, living goods is all one word with one G. Right, that's the kicker. Yeah, um, a lot of people want to break it up into two words with two Gs. But yeah, yep. Great, wonderful. Well, I just uh, can't thank you both enough for coming on our show and and giving us such a great interview. Thank you so much uh, for being here today, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with with everything you have coming up. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt and Jessica. I know that I did. For more episodes and articles with helpful advice to help you grow your restaurant business, check out our blog, restaurantengine.com blog. And be sure to sign up for one of our free courses, like our latest, Online Ordering 101, or our free website checklist. Again, those are available at restaurantengine.com blog. Thanks so much for tuning in, and see you next time.